0: I'd like to read a passage from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please have a seat. Well, I'm excited to begin this book. Now, for some of you, you have been at Lakeland more than 14 years. And uh, there's a few of you out there, and you know how important these verses were to us. Do you remember? Acts chapter two, do you remember how every leadership meeting, someone would read some part of Acts chapter two and say, we want to be like the Acts chapter two church. Somebody came up between uh, between services and said, yeah, our small group made us memorize it like the Pledge of Allegiance. And we had little copies of it taped to our bathroom mirror. Acts chapter 2. So we had Wednesday night service to devote ourselves to the apostles teaching and the breaking of bread and we for fellowship we had small groups and picnics in the park and we heard stories of people being healed of heart conditions and addictions and how they got gifts and jobs and cash just in time to make ends meet and those were our signs and wonders. People downsized their houses and drove old cars and gave anonymous envelopes with money to other people they knew in the church who had need. And the Lord added daily to our number. Every year the church was 5 or 10% larger than it was the year before. But along the way, something just got a little sour scent to it. I can only speak for myself, but there came a point oh, I guess about eight years ago, when if I would say something about Acts chapter two, somebody, and it was a different someone every time, if I said something about Acts chapter two, somebody would cough like, (coughs) and they'd go like, Lakeland, are you kidding me? Lakeland's nothing like Acts chapter two. We don't take communion every Sunday when we get together like they did in Acts chapter two. We don't preach verse by verse from the apostles teaching every time we get together like they did in Acts chapter 2. People aren't inviting their neighbors over for dinner at their house every night like they did in Acts chapter 2. In fact, my sister tried to join a small group and there wasn't one for her on the day and time that she was, could meet. And we should have people speaking in tongues every Sunday during worship. And people should be cured of cancer and getting out of wheelchairs every week. That's what happened in the actual, real Acts chapter 2 church and. And look at all these rich suburbanites sitting in here with their three-bedroom houses and SUVs and minivans. What happened to selling all your possessions and giving to the poor? Acts chapter 2. Give me a break. Oh, yeah, Lakeland draws a crowd, but is that really the Lord adding to our number? Where are the real conversions that do all this stuff? Acts chapter 2. Ooh, I, I confess, after... About three years of that, I was fairly well beaten down. I fell into a sort of depression about our congregation and about Acts chapter 2. I started to say, yeah, they're probably right. We're not as biblically literate as some congregations have been. I know we have holes in our fellowship, people who get left out or ignored or passed over. I'm sure we aren't as generous as we could be. Eight years ago, only 17% of people in our church tithed, while others went without good meals and clean clothes and work. If more than a few people would come to our church, they'd be real excited, they'd get baptized, and then they'd they'd wander away into sin and all kinds of craziness. So I confess, about eight years ago, I I abandoned Acts chapter 2. Even though it was my goal uh, when I became a pastor to start preaching in chapter one and then every few years come back to it, pick up right where we left off, go through the whole thing, chapter and verse, see if I can finish it before I die. In 2008, I skipped these five verses in chapter two. I had an excuse I made, but I was just skipping it. In Acts chapter nine, I had a chance to go back, or 2009, I had a chance to go back and pick it up. I skipped it again. In 2013, we were doing Acts. I I skipped it again. Too painful. For all our efforts, all our preaching and vision and celebrating and singing, evidently, we we just can't be the Acts chapter 2 church. But I I learned something skipping Acts chapter 2. You know what happens when you skip Acts chapter 2? It hurries you along to Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, you find a husband and wife who are, yep, selling their land to give to the poor, just like they said they would, except they kept some of the money for themselves, which the church said was fine, but they lied and said, this is all the money we made. Since they lied, the wrath of God fell on them, and they died right there in front of the church on a Sunday. That's a messed up story. When you skip Acts chapter 2, it gets you on to Acts chapter 6 where you find that, oh yeah, they're sharing uh, meals. They got like a traveling meals program for widows. And then somebody brings up the charge of racism, that widows with a Jewish Christian background are getting more food than widows with a Greek Christian background. Racism on the Widows Meals on Wheels program. That's nice. Yeah, you skip Acts chapter 2, you get to Acts chapter 18, where they have this fantastic preacher named Apollos. I wish I had a name like Apollos. We learn from reading Paul's letter to the Corinthians, some people thought Apollos was such a fantastic preacher that they stopped listening to Peter and Paul. They would actually say, oh, I follow Apollos. I don't listen to those other jokers. Uh Uh-huh, devoted the apostles' teaching. Perfect. You find also uh, in this church that there's a man who's married to his father's widow. He married his own stepmother. That's really Bates Motelli. So uh, Paul tells them they're going to have to kick that guy out of the church if he doesn't straighten up. Yeah, they had communion every Sunday, just like it says. And uh, in 1 Corinthians, it says that the rich were eating the meal so fast by the time the poor got off work, there was nothing left. (laughs) That's messed up too. And don't forget Acts chapter 15, where the Apostle Paul himself gets into such a big fight with Barnabas, his preaching partner, that they decide they need to be on the opposite side of the Mediterranean. They go to preach in totally other sides of the world because they can't stand to be around each other for a few years. That's Acts fellowship. You know what you learn when you skip Acts chapter 2? You learned that even the Acts 2 church wasn't very much like the Acts 2 church. They did not exist perpetually in bliss of teaching and learning and loving and befriending and sacrifice and sharing and prayer and worship all the time surrounded by a swirl of miracles. You learned that it got messy in that church and it got messy really fast. Now, Luke didn't lie to us in Acts chapter 2. I am certain that after, in the days following the resurrection of Jesus, that they gathered together in those temple courts in Jerusalem, and in their excitement and their joy, they formed a a, a wondrous community. But as the weeks turn into months, turn into years, as Acts chapter 2 turns into 5 and 6 and 15 and 18, and people become people, It just isn't fair to us to ask them to perpetually behave as if everything's brand new. I had a great professor, a preaching professor in seminary. He was about 65, and he came in one day, and he said, last night, that's how he talked, it was an awesome class. Last night, I asked my wife of 45 years, If we could go out and do something we hadn't done since we were kids. I said, honey, let's go get in the car in the driveway and make out. (laughs) She did not take me up on my offer. (laughs) Then he said, does that mean that the fire has gone out? The embers are cold. Love is gone. We lost what we once had, and we cannot find it again. And then he said, I tell you, it does not. He said, after 45 years of waking up in the morning with the same woman and going to bed at night with the same woman, after 45 years of sticking together through the highs and the lows, sickness and health, wealth and joblessness, He says, I'm telling you, love has matured and it has found new expressions of devotion that far exceed anything teenagers fumbling around in a car could ever know anything about. And just about the time we're wondering, why is he telling us this? He said, I tell you, it's the same with you and God. However it felt when you first came to Jesus, it doesn't feel like that anymore. Whatever it was you used to do to express your love to him, you don't do that anymore. And I'm telling you, it does not mean that the fire has gone out and the love is gone. Because after 45 years of waking up every morning and going to bed every night with the same God and sticking with that God through the highs and the lows, through sickness and health, through wealth and joblessness, your love of God will take on a more mature form and a deeper expression than anything kids waving their hands at summer camp could ever even approach. Love matures, and it stays through the messiness. Love becomes less and less about how you get together and more and more about how you stay together. That's what the Acts chapter 2 church really did. As they progressed through 5 and 6 and 15 and 18, they stayed together even though it got messed up. And that staying together through all of that was also love. And that's all they could do. And that's all we can do. So let's take another look at these verses and think about our family here in the church. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles perform many miraculous signs and wonders. We are going to continue to pray for healing. We're going to continue to pray for jobs. We're going to continue to pray for miracle cash, windfalls, and miraculous rescues for people we hear about in the world who are in dangerous situations. And when those prayers are answered, we will stand up here and we will give testimony. We'll say, my name is Garrett and this is my story. This is what I saw God do but i can't make any promises about the frequency of those stories or the magnitude of the event you will hear described because it's not me who does those miracles it's our god but we will leave ourselves open to anything he may want to do and when he does it we'll give testimony have you seen god do something lately has god done a work in your life that you're a witness to Email this story to me or share it with your small group leader and it will filter its way back and and let's hear what God has done. Verse 44 and 45. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. A lot of needy people in the church. But I'm going to tell you very bluntly, we cannot liquidate our houses every time someone says, I'm needy. Uh, Our church and every church on the planet there has ever been has a fair handful of unhealthy people in it. People who are just there for the free stuff. And if, if they thought there was a congregation that would, everyone would sell their house and give the money to them, they would just come and take it. It's not that they're bad people, it's just they're at that stage of life where all they can do is take. Every church has had this problem. Thessalonians had this problem. Do you remember when Paul finally had to tell the Thessalonians, look, stop giving food to people who don't work. Do you remember Paul saying that in Thessalonians? Because they had a problem. Do you remember the apostle John writing 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John? He said, I want you to stop giving money to these traveling evangelists. These guys are bouncing from house to house saying they're going to preach to you. They just need a meal and be put up in your house for a week. Stop it. They're not real preachers and they're just trying to avoid working. Church has had this problem always. none of us wants to be called on to make these kind of judgments about people. Is this a scam artist or is this someone who really has need? Is this a real missionary called to serve God or is this just somebody sponging off the church because they don't want to get a real job? None of us wants to have to decide this and yet someone has to make those discernments and that's what we have church elders. Part of what church elders do is hear the needs and discern. So um, please be very kind to our church elders. They're just people like you with jobs who have given their lives to the church as a volunteer basis, but they have to hear these needs and make these calls so that we can be a congregation that can serve the poor for decades instead of just feed someone's addiction for a year or two and then we're all out of cash. Let us be kind to our elders and pray for their wisdom. Verse 46 They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. So we can always be more welcoming as a church. Hospitality uh, is something we can always do better. It's a skill. It's a skill that's learned in practice. You'll have a chance to practice it today when in the first five minutes after this message, If you leave your friends alone, your friends will leave you alone. Take that first five minutes after the service and introduce yourself to someone here in the room you've never met. You just say, hi, my name is Garrett. How many years have you been going here? And they may say, oh, I've been going here 20 years. They may say, oh, this is my first day. You don't know, but you just get a conversation rolling. Now, after about five minutes, new people to the Church tend to just kind of go on. They've got stuff to do. So then all that's left is all the people you've known for years and you can talk to them all you want about anything that you want. But let's set aside that first five minutes after a service to practice hospitality. It's painful when someone gets left out. It's going to happen. When it happens, all we can do is apologize in earnest to them. Repent of whatever behavior. Let that happen and try to get better. That's all we can do. The main reason we take communion in this sanctuary every Sunday is to raise a flag one more time that says, you know what, we're only here because we're sinners. We're only here because we can't get it right. And the only reason God hasn't wiped us out already is because he doesn't want to. However angry he might be with us for things we're not getting right, his hope and his love for us overshadows that. He has hope for us that with the power of His Spirit, we can turn and we can become something new. And so we take communion to remind ourselves that that gracious, another chance He's always giving us and we celebrate it. Verse 47. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Adding to the fellowship is the Lord's work. It's really not something we can do without pulling a bunch of stunts and gimmicks that only ever end up getting churches into trouble in the long run. It's God's work. work. We are here to be faithful servants, harbingers of hospitality, messengers of hope, and the good news of Jesus. I'll tell you that we are not here to criticize and badger one another. We are certainly not here to express our deep disappointment with one another that we haven't been more like Acts chapter 2. If God is not kicking us for not being more like Acts chapter 2, why would we kick each other? That is nothing but a lot of glass half-empty perfectionism and depression. Now, even for those of us who suffer from glass half-empty perfectionism and depression, the Lord has made something in the church. Because none of us wants to say, well, what am I supposed to do? Just fake like I think everything's great when I can clearly see everything's not great? The Lord has even made a way for us to pour out our frustrations in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms in the Bible is the prayers of God's people. There are 150 of them. They said them seven times a day in that temple where this church was meeting. And half of all those 150 prayers have this theme. God, this world stinks. When are you going to do something about it? Half of all the prayers the Acts chapter 2 church prayed said that. Did you know that the Greek text that we're reading today doesn't actually say they devoted themselves to prayer? Most of the translations I studied say they devoted themselves to prayer. But it's a subtle thing. But what it actually says in the Greek very clearly is they devoted themselves to the prayers. They devoted themselves to the prayers. Meaning the Psalms, the daily prayers of the temple. They went up and they said those together. So even for those of us who are consumed with negativity about the church, God has graciously made a place and something to do in worship and a way to be a part of it. No one, no one is left out. So I want to say this morning, we're bringing back Acts chapter 2. Amen. All right. Yeah, good thing since it's in the Bible. Acts 2 says they devoted themselves in joy to four pillars. So let's go back to the top and hear what they were. All the believers devoted themselves to apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to the prayers. All right, the apostles' teaching. Do we have enough of God's word in the life of our community? Is it, that's a question we're never going to stop asking. So Dan just finished a great series on Philemon. Now we're starting a series on the book of Acts. What do you want to hear next? What parts of the Bible have you been curious about or passages you hope we study? Just email that to me. I am so curious to know uh, what it is that we could share in together that would, uh, you'd be interested in. Fellowship, the sharing and the friendship. Personally, I don't care what anyone says, and and actually everyone is pretty unanimous on this. Uh, You all are extremely generous. Uh, I'm very, very proud to be a part of this church family uh, because of your generosity. I really believe uh, this that I'm about to say. I really believe that if the elders came forward one day and said, we have perceived a deep financial need the Lord has called us to, and we want to ask that those of you who have more than one house, that you would, we would sell those and give to this need. For those of you who have land that you're not living on, we want you to sell that and give to this need. I do believe you would do that. You might have to go home and pray about it for a time, but I do in my heart, because of things you've done in the past, believe you would do that. So far in our life as a church, the Lord has never called us in that way, but you never know when he might. But I believe you would. As far as friendship, I'll just tell you uh, every friend in the world I have goes to this church, except for two, and they come here an awful lot during the year. If you're not having that kind of experience, I want to encourage you to go to the next women's ministry event that's on the calendar. Go to the next men's breakfast that comes up first Saturday in November. That's where it starts things like that. If you're thinking, well, the women's ministry event stuff and the men's breakfast, that doesn't really fit in my schedule, you may have just found your problem because friends are not convenient and they're not here for our convenience. Friends are special people and they require special time. It may just be that you've gotten yourself too busy to have any. Maybe that that's where the Lord wants you to start to work in a place where you have special time to bring special people into your life. They devoted themselves also to the prayers. We are working double overtime to bring more prayers into this worship service, more prayers into your homes this Christmas season. We have retreats next year to learn how to pray. We have Wednesday morning prayers every morning back there at 630. We have some small groups that have formed this year just around prayer. So if you want to become more involved in prayer, just visit our kiosk out front and and someone can direct you to one of those things so we can be devoted to prayer. And they voted themselves to the breaking of bread and communion. So if our servers want to come forward, now is the time in the service when we uh, raise that flag again that says we're only here because we're sinners. We're only here because we can't get it right. And the only reason God hasn't wiped this out already is because He doesn't want to. He has great hope for us, great love that overshadows any of our shortcomings, and He believes With the power of his spirit, we could become something new. And that's why, even on the night Jesus was betrayed by humanity, he said, "Uh, this bread is my body broken for you. And this cup is my blood. And it's poured out for a new covenant, for the forgiveness of sins. He said, as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are remembering my death until I eat and drink it with you and my father's kingdom. So we come down the center aisles and we tear off a piece and we dip it in the cup. and we. Let us pray the prayer that Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is a kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen we have a video to share with you
1: Prodeo, I don't feel left out. I feel like a part of something. Prodeo is a open, non bullying type of environment. Everyone is friends around here. Just a bu- like a big group of friends. Trying to help me um, smile when I don't want to or just like try to ch- cheer me up. The intentions of Prodeo are that uh, every teen would be able to come in our doors, that they would know that they're loved, that they would they would feel the presence of a family. They're like family.
0: I think of it as one big family.
1: A family. I actually came here with my friend Jordan and uh, like she was just like, hey you should go, go to Prodeo with us. I'm like, what? What's that? <laughs> They have food. I'm like, oh, okay, they have food. Yay! And then I walk in and Kylie is just like, hi, who are you? What's your life story? <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah, I think I like it here.
0: Purdue started um, basically kind of as an idea of, we, teens needed a place to do something, to to have a place to call their own, to not get in trouble. So we thought of an idea just to have a place for them to call their own, a space that they can go to and hang out, be themselves, be teenagers, but also move beyond that and help them become functioning members of society and people who are going to really empower change in, in their generation. It's helped me find my voice and helped me, like, be able to say no and or yes or just talk to people in general.
1: Um, it's helped my mom and I uh, financially and uh, just, like, give me room to, like, try to socialize with people and interact. Kylie and Andy, they're ordinary people and they've put together this thing and like it's helped so many people. They change lives and the lesson that I will definitely take away from this is like it's possible for ordinary people to to do and achieve extraordinary things. I think it's a great Organization for teenagers uh, to like show teenagers that they're not alone and that they do have people there for them. Help keep teens in the right direction in their life and empower the youth.
0: Well, let's welcome Kylie, she's the founder and executive director. So evidently the kids themselves shot and, and edited and put together that video, too. That's awesome. What a beautiful, beautiful work that is. So Kylie is the founder and the executive director of Prodeo. Prodeo is a youth center doing the type of work that you saw depicted in the video and a lot more um, here in Lee Summit. And so... Uh, Fearless is a financial challenge that Lakeland is in. We are about at the halfway mark. We started a year and a half ago. We have a year and a half to go. We're trying to raise $1.3 million for ministry here in the church and the community around the world. Um, a, 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 a portion of that uh, $1.3 million is going to Prodeo um, over the course of three years to help partner with them and the ministry that they're doing uh, for the kids in our community. and We're so thankful for that. So Kylie and I talked in September, and uh, you've had an explosion in the number of kids, and it has created a financial need you did not anticipate. So tell us about that.
1: Yeah, we, um, so we have seen, uh, since school started on August 19th, we have seen 794 students walk through our door. Um, so like
0: a whole school worth. In some towns, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's been a lot. Um, so the so what that means. So that's not a bad problem to have, and we want to exist so those kids can walk through our doors. But what that means is that all hands on deck to make things happen. And so um, what we projected in July as our budget for the coming school year, um, we budget those things based off of our Friday nights and what we're going to do. And that has we have. We've had to cut down what we're able to do because of the amount of kids that we have.
0: And yeah, right. Tell us about the Friday nights, What's goes yep. on so there. Yeah, so
1: every Friday night we have a home-cooked meal, and then we have some sort of fun outing, get-together, whatever, whether that is um, – whether so like this coming weekend we are having a Halloween party. Um, we have gone to Dave's Gymnastics. We've gone to Paradise Park. We just yeah. try to keep
0: kids – And your goal for that is –
1: To keep kids off the streets, keep drugs, alcohol, all of that stuff out of there to – yeah. keep them out of jail, you know, whatever. Yeah, sure,
0: yeah, all well, good things. But you happen to downsize that because of the numbers yes. you're seeing, which, yeah, which or we do... don't want, we don't want. Yeah. I mean, because you're competing with sex and drugs, so that's pretty stiff competition pretty. for the attention of a teen. <laughs> all right, so, uh, yeah. So let's try to not have it all be roasting hot dogs over your backyard yeah, thing. No, that's yeah, Yeah, got it, okay. And um, good, now you took the kids to St. Louis, you were able to do that.
1: Yeah, we did that. Um, We just got back Friday night. So we just try to take kids that are just going through a bunch of stuff and let them experience kid-like things. And so um, one of the girls that got to go with us this time, she is always at home with her siblings. Her mom, she's a single mom. And so her she is always the one that's watching the, her siblings and stuff like that. And so she gets to go and just be a kid. And the smile that you can see on her face the whole entire time, her getting to run around the zoo and not have to take care of anybody, like she gets to take care of herself, is just such a freeing thing
0: yeah. to watch. Yeah. So. Well, that's wonderful. Tell us about the kid. Who, I was really touched by the oh. last series. <laughs> Tell us about the kid who was kind of left out. And
1: yeah. So there is one kid that, um, Came, and when he came, his mom was like, look, he's an outcast. Like, if he can just make one friend while he's here, we'll be good. And uh, we were sitting down to eat dinner, and that kid noticed that there was another kid sitting by himself. And he said, he turned to one of our volunteers, and he said, do you want to go sit with him so he's not sitting by himself? And it was just such a cool picture to see how much he's grown over the past year since he's been there, uh, and to see him reaching out to someone else now.
0: Amen. Amen. So, so we were able to give a gift to Fearless, uh, from Fearless to ProDeo in September. Um, it wasn't as much as th- their need is. So we'd like to do more. So here's what I asked you in September. I'd just like to reiterate that. I'm not asking anybody to give any more to Fearless than you're going to give anyway, but maybe to accelerate your gift and do it a little quicker. I know a lot of people do something at the end of the year around Christmas time. I know a lot of you do something around March at the, at what will be the two-year mark. We're just asking, maybe could you do that a little sooner if possible? Just pray about it. Look at what the Lord may have already provided for you to answer this call. That's often how he works. Um, And uh, see if, because the need is kind of, you know, right now. If you're not if you don't have a pledge to give to Fearless, you can just give a one-time gift just for this, if you'd like. So you just write a, a check to Lakeland, but put in the memo, Fearless. Or go to our online giving system, and there's a drop-down box. It has, like, general offering, and one of the items in the drop-down box is Fearless. Um, I'm, I pretty feel like I pretty confidently say anything given, like, in the next week or two would probably go to to this need. Um, I talked to you back in September about us needing to finally fix this, the screens back here that aren't working, and we do have the money to do that. So uh, that's taken care of. Thank you for everyone who gave generously to that. We're, we're working on um, getting the installation to happen. So now we're tr- trying to turn our attention here to help Prodeo, who's having a wonderful blessing of so many kids, but n- needs some resources to help make your thing good thank you so much for what you're doing anything else we should know okay i'd like to pray for you if i could all right let us pray father we thank you for kylie and andy and uh, the ministry that they do may Prodeo be lord uh, a ministry that lives up to its name for god we pray for all those kids the those who are left out, those who are neglected, those who have lost their way. We pray through fellowship and and generosity and joy, Lord, they can discover who they are. Or we pray by the meeting of someone's most basic needs, food, shelter, safety, uh, that then they can turn their hearts inward to the deeper needs, the spiritual needs. Strengthen us, Lord. Generosity is a frightening thing. Help us to be fearless. Help us to see what you have already done, to trust in you to provide. Uh, If you call, Lord, we will answer. We give ourselves to you in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Kylie. All right, a few announcements, which I really messed up first service. So if you know anybody from first service, uh, share with them this announcement. We're not having their first service next week. <laughs> see, they, they, that's what I forgot to tell them, only that when they show up, we're not having their first service. So, next week is uh, all one service at 10 30. It's only going to be probably the best service ever. So, next week for All Saints Day is going to be one of those ones you're going to hear about or see bouncing around on Facebook and wish that you would have been there. So, don't do that. You want to come. It's got So many beautiful pieces of things that are going to be happening uh, in that service that you just just don't want to see. Very, very uh, kid and family focused. So uh, we'll still have early childhood, but everyone kindergarten, separate, but everyone kindergarten and older will all be in here together. It's going to be a great, great time. So that is next Sunday, 1030 only. Next Sunday is also daylight savings time. So be sure you set your clock. Or you might be hanging out here in the lobby for an extra hour before we start. And um, also, don't forget the trunk retreat immediately following this service. Not too late to go grab a bag of candy and throw it at your trunk. The kids are so cute. So um, now, if my message was not clear today, let me summarize it here in a sentence or two. Uh, We need to lighten up around here a little bit. That's the, yes, this ministry is the most important thing that any of us are a part of. And it needs to be taken seriously. But if we aren't a kingdom of grace to one another, then we're not a kingdom of Christ. So uh, I do not believe the Lord will add daily to our number of those who are being saved until we have the breathing space to let this church be just as messy as the church in Acts chapter 2, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 15, chapter 18. Now, there's a lot of good reasons why we get bent out of shape, right? Some of us get bent out of shape at church because we are fearful. The more the church changes, the more we worry it's becoming something it's not supposed to be, fear. Another reason we get bent out of shape is resentment. We give and we give and we give to the church, time, talent, and treasures, and it does not thank us, does not recognize us, does not appreciate us for all we've done enough. So resentment. Or we have a picture in our mind of how good and beautiful the church could be, and when it's not that, it just makes us angry. So fear, resentment, anger but these are all things we can be free from if we put on faith, hope, and love. So Dan taught us some great prayers this year, and we actually practiced them last week. So let us stand together for our benediction, and we'll pray these prayers that release us from fear, resentment, and anger so that we can get on about the business of the gospel. Let's pray these prayers together. I let go of my need for security and survival. Come, Holy Spirit, whom shall I fear? I let go of my need for approval and affection. Welcome. Come, Holy Spirit, only you, Lord. I let go of my need for power and control. Welcome. Come, Holy Spirit, I bend my knee to you. Now, with that confession, may you go out in peace to devote yourselves, all of ourselves, the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of the bread, and the sharing of meals, including the Lord's supper, and to the prayers. Go in peace.